Hey guys and girls, welcome, welcome to, to Single to Sealed. I'm Jerry, your host, and here with me is my co-host and wife, Brianna. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have dedicated this podcast to helping fellow Christians navigate the treacherous waters of dating all the way to the winding roads of marriage. All are welcome in our podcast family, and we are so excited to have you here with us. Be sure to subscribe, follow, or favorite. Let's talk. Hello, podcast family. Single to Sealed is back again for another episode, and we have one of our amazing guests on again. Her name is Amanda Louder. Many of you may remember her from a previous episode we did with her, and she is fantastic. Um, If you want to learn a little bit more about her and get to know her from our first episode, go ahead and peek back at that. Uh, But we're just going to give her a little brief introduction before we start. So hi, Amanda. Hi, guys. I'm so happy to be back here with you today. We're so happy to have you here with us and excited to have another episode because our last one received so much positive feedback. Everyone loved listening to you and the advice that you shared, and it was just a really great episode. So we're really thrilled to have you back on again. I'm so glad that it went so well for you guys, and I love talking about this, so I'm happy to be back here talking about it again. Yeah, we definitely find that uh, a lot of people have a hard time dealing with the concept or um, being okay with talking about the concept of sex and and intimacy, especially as it pertains to, to dating. Because a lot of cases, people may think, oh, well, that doesn't have anything to do with dating. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it it definitely does as far as your preparation and uh, mental state and knowledge, you know, of these things, which is definitely stuff that we're um, wanting to learn more about. And uh, we hope that people can benefit from. So before we get into that, again, just Amanda is a certified life coach with a specialty in sex and marriage. And she's the host of her own successful podcast called Sex for Saints. She's also a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and she is once divorced and since remarried, and she's a mom of three children and a stepmom to another two. So again, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, you're a very busy woman, so we really appreciate you making the time to be here with us tonight. Well, I am happy to be back here with you guys. I think this is such an important topic, and I'm so glad that you guys asked me to come back. Thank you so much. Um, So yeah, for our topic today, we just kind of wanted to chat with you a little bit about uh, sex and intimacy when it comes to dating, and most importantly, how to talk about um, sex and set, you know, proper expectations and have that conversation surrounding it before you get married. Um, Because that's something that we felt that we um, maybe lacked a little bit in our dating and like courtship, if you want to call it that, before we got married. And so we just kind of walked into our marriage a little bit more blindly, thinking like, oh, everything will come and fall together naturally, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we actually really struggled in the beginning of our marriage to figure sex out and like to figure out, I guess, like what our expectations on each side were for it and for it to flow as naturally as we thought it was going to. Yeah. And it definitely didn't happen like we thought. So, I know that happens with a lot of couples, and so we think it's a really important topic to discuss how to share with your partner, the person you're dating, about your expectations and your knowledge and, you know, what to plan for going into marriage. More specifically, you know, when, like, you're engaged and getting closer to that step. Yeah. And the problem is, is we don't know a lot about it and we don't even know what we're going to like or not like. And so it's hard to have those conversations when you don't even know. And a lot of times people just tell you, oh, it's natural. You'll figure it out. It'll be fine. But then you run into problems and you go, 
wait, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with him? What's wrong with us? Are we broken? What's going on? And so really to understand that sex is a skill and it takes practice and it takes learning new things. It takes knowledge. It takes different tools and really becoming familiar with that and how much you want to become familiar with that before you're married or how much you're willing to do that just after you're married is totally up to you, whatever your comfort level is, but understanding it's probably not going to be great from the (laughs) get-go. And really being okay with that, being okay to learn and grow together, not making mistakes or things that aren't great mean anything bad about you or your spouse or the marriage in general. Some people are like, oh no, we're not sexually compatible. I married the wrong person, which is usually not the case. Really, it's just a learning process. But if you're both willing to be open and learn new things and work on it together, not taking offense to anything, then it can really go much more smoothly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And again, just having that experience, um, I can definitely say that that's something that people can be prepared to also experience if they don't follow. Probably the tips that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. <laughs> so, so first of all, um, I mean, what do you think? What what's the what's the first best way that we can introduce or get ourselves prepared uh, for a sexual relationship while we're dating? I think we have to have knowledge about our our body and how it works and also about our spouse's body and how it works. Just a basic fundamental knowledge about how things work. And that doesn't mean that you necessarily need to have an intimate knowledge of that, but you know, if if you don't know what something looks like, you can look at medical pictures. You can like, we don't have to turn to porn to figure out what things look like and how they function. Cause that's not really a great representation anyway, <laughs> but really like looking at medical pictures or, and, and looking at medical textbooks or something like that to help you just understand what things look like and what their basic function is. I heard a story from someone, I don't even remember where it was, but they were had been married for a couple of years and he still didn't know that pee came out a different hole than the vagina. <laughs> and like, I mean, these are basic anatomy things. So if you don't understand basic anatomy, you should definitely familiarize yourself with that. There's nothing wrong about learning about the body and its functions before you're married. You're not doing it in a sexual way. You're not, you know, getting intimate knowledge with another person, but it's more just from a knowledge and a factual basis. I think that's a really great first step. Yeah, I definitely think that we have to erase this idea that the body is innately sexualized and the body is its is its own thing and it can be used for sexual purposes, but it itself is not just completely sexualized. So everything that you see or think about as it pertains to a naked body isn't always wrong. And that's, like you said, a perfect example of that is, you know, if you have some of these questions, it's perfectly reasonable, you know, to to find those um, medical type answers, answers you yeah. know, because that's part of our knowledge and there's there's nothing wrong with that. Don't feel shame for doing that thing, especially for, if for, it, for being curious, yeah, if it's if it's for the right purpose. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I know when I got married the first time, I had never seen a naked man before. I had like 
it was crazy. I was like, what in the world am I looking at? <laughs> like I was completely baffled because I hadn't had that knowledge beforehand and I didn't understand how his body worked. I didn't understand my own body and how it worked. So how is he going to understand how my body worked and how it experienced pleasure if I didn't even know that for myself? So really it was just, it was a lot harder learning experience than it needed to be if we had both been able to take a little bit of time and understand some basic things about each other's bodies and our own bodies. Oh, definitely. I I definitely uh, hope that when that situation comes for anybody else that you don't say that out loud. What the heck is that? (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) That was just what was going through my brain. (laughs) But also, you know, I, I remember being really you know, scared and ashamed of my own body. Cause I mean, I wasn't used to, you know, showing my body to anybody else, let alone another man. Like I, I remember even in high school, I was on the swim team and there were girls like just changing their, you know, into their swimsuits in the locker room. Like it was no big deal. And I was like, I need to cover every part of myself. I need to go into a separate stall so nobody can see me. Like, because there was so much shame around my body and really the body is so amazing and so beautiful. And we're created in the image of our heavenly parents. There's nothing shameful about it. It's what we do with it that can really be a problem if we're not doing things that are in alignment with our integrity and our values. So being ashamed of our body, even with our spouse, I mean, if you're ashamed of your body on your own, you're probably going to be that way with your spouse. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, And I kind of like, I really liked when you mentioned about uh, that gentleman that had didn't even know like there were separate holes. Yeah, my grandma didn't even know that she had like two holes, one to pee and like one was her vagina and they're different. So as women also or like, even for your own gender, sometimes we don't understand how our own bodies work. And so like, it's really important for for you to especially women I think to take some time and like take a mirror and like look down there like get familiar Mm -hmm. with like your own anatomy there's nothing wrong with you looking at your own body and like you know and I hadn't even done that until after I had my first kid yeah which is crazy because it's like it's part of me like it's down there and like I never took the time to like even glance down there and that was insane to me when I realized like wow like I, I don't even know what it looks like down there like Jerry saw before I even saw what I looked like down there and so I mean like that whole shame that we like perpetuate in our culture of like being afraid and like it's bad like don't ever look down there don't touch down there nothing mm-hmm. you know creates like this fear surrounding it and like if you can accept yourself and like love yourself for how like you are or at least be like neutral with how you are then it's going to be a lot harder to feel comfortable showing that to your spouse once you get married so I highly recommend as well like you get familiar with it and and look at your own body and see how that is and and know what it is and yeah look at diagrams that's great advice. And, you know, part of sex and intimacy is knowing the other person in every way and being known. And when we are ashamed of some part of ourselves, we hide. And so when we are, when we're trying to hide parts of ourselves, but yet try to have an intimate relationship with our spouse, that doesn't work. I mean, so many of the women and the couples that I work with, it's because of all this shame that they have surrounding their sexuality and their body that causes so many problems in their marriage, which is why they have to come see me. And really it's about complete and radical acceptance of every part of you and every part of your spouse to create a truly intimate and beautiful sexual relationship. So the more comfortable you can get with yourself beforehand, the better. Yes, completely agree. Thank you for sharing that. So another thing that's on my mind is, you know, what 
how do we cultivate uh, appropriate relationship uh, conversations about this? And do should we be having this conversation uh, about sex with our with our partners before we get married? Absolutely, absolutely. Now, th- how you want to do that? You want to approach it very, I would say, sacredly, um, reverently. Um, that doesn't mean that you don't talk about it, but you talk about it in a way that's respectful and within your value system. You know, you're not talking about it for the purpose of trying to arouse yourself or your partner, but in a way that's respectful about what you want for yourself and your relationship when the time is appropriate. So um, my husband and I, um, we, it was a second marriage for both of us. So we had both had sexual relationships before with our previous spouses. So we had a lot better idea of what we wanted in a sexual relationship. And so we actually talked about it a lot before we got married, what we were interested in, what we were not interested in, what we were comfortable with, what we were not comfortable with, what, you know, what our previous experiences. And I mean, if you're getting married for the first time, hopefully there's not a whole lot of previous experience, but we had a lot of conversations, but in a very respectful manner so that when we, it was actually time for us to have a sexual relationship. Once we were actually married, it came very, it became so much easier for the both of us because we'd already had these conversations and knew what to expect from each other. Now, it's a little bit different when you're getting married for the first time and haven't had that experience, but you can still say, okay, you know, this kind of stuff sounds interesting to me, like something I might want to try. How do you feel about that? You know, this sounds like something I don't want to try. How do you feel about it? And really start to explore because, you know, I mean, we've seen movies. Most people have seen pornography, even if they're not actively seeking it. Like we have an idea of what we think sex is supposed to be like. Although what we mostly see is fantasy (laughs) and it's not reality. It's not what sex actually looks like, but at least it gives us kind of an idea of what we think we want. But we also have to have realistic expectations too. So really trying to understand like, this sounds interesting to me. What do you, how do you feel about it? Why does it sound appealing? And really start to be curious with yourself and your partner rather than judgmental. Because your partner may say, well, this sounds really interesting. And we always say in this realm, don't yuck somebody else's yum. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Like for some things, people find it really interesting. They find it erotic and sexual and really, you know, something they really want. And other people might not like that. And so really being open and not judgmental of your partner, but, and just being curious and, you know, and it might be a no for you, but we don't have to be rude about it or tell somebody that what they're thinking or what they want is inappropriate or yuck. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I think that something that Jerry and I did when we were engaged to was even talk about like grooming like grooming expectations like even something like that that might seem not seem that important for me talking about that before we got married and like knowing like what he expected or what he like was looking for I guess you could say Mm -hmm. made me feel more comfortable being naked like for the first time with him yeah I was like okay we already talked about this like I know that like how I'm gonna present myself is going to be like is comfortable and like is something that he's interested in and like the same I don't know if it was the same for you Jerry but like we had t- talked about something even as logistic as that I guess you could say um and so we did have like some conversations and I feel like that was one helpful one that we did have because that the expectations were there absolutely 
Absolutely. I think those are, you know, as long as they're done with the right spirit behind them, Mm -hmm. then I think those conversations, especially as you get closer to the wedding date. So I think I mentioned in the last episode we did, I have a course for engaged couples. And a question that I often get is, you know, when should the couple do this course? Because it is pretty, I mean, in depth and I mean, not anything against our value system, but it's, it's very explicit. You know, I I mean, there are diagrams. I talk about things very openly and directly. And so my recommendation is always to do it about a month before you get married. You know, having these conversations, I think are really crucial and important, um, but we don't need to be having really in-depth conversation months and months and months in advance. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this is definitely something that's reserved. Like you said, that last month, you know, towards the end, because you're more surefire thing Mm -hmm. than, you know, in the beginning or even just before you reach that point, you may not really be prepared for that conversation, nor is it really, I don't want to say inappropriate, but it's not necessary. It's not a necessary conversation to have at this Mm -hmm. point because it could lead to something else that um, you may not be prepared for or make you more, you know, uh, anxious for sexual activity. Again, these conversations aren't necessarily for that or at all for that. It's to make the other person feel comfortable knowing that you care about each other and where they're at. And when that time comes, you know, not making somebody feel uncomfortable with most of our first experiences. Yes. And I think, you know, also having a basic understanding of sex and, you know, what that entails I have a lot of um, engaged couples, single people that listen to my podcast, even though it's specifically for married women, just to get more knowledge. And they, you know, as they move into that marriage and that sexual relationship, they're like, I knew so much more and knew more what to expect and what problems people normally run into and how I can navigate around them because I had that knowledge beforehand, which is one of the reasons why I recommend the course. And of course, listening to my podcast, because it just goes into so much that you didn't even know, <laughs> like you don't know what you don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and so as soon as then, you know, when you start to run into problems, I think that's a big part of it is we freak out that there's a problem and we didn't know what we don't know how to handle it because we don't really have good models especially within the church of what a good sexual relationship looks like and and having like healthy sexual conversations a lot of times and so when there's a when a problem arises we don't know how to deal with it and so that's when we start you know internally blaming or externally blaming our spouse or thinking that we married the wrong person or something but it really doesn't need to be that way like there are going to be problems in every sexual relationship that's just normal and when we can look at it like oh this isn't a problem this is just normal it's okay we can work through it and move past it and make things better then it makes things so much better in the long run Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that because Jerry and I totally had like a breakdown on our honeymoon where I was like you shouldn't have married me I don't think I can have sex like (laughs) (laughs) like I don't think my body can do it I you know I got so scared because you hear all the scary stuff about like how so many like LDS women can't have sex because they have, you know, what is that? Vaginismus. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. And so I was like, oh, that's me. Like now you'll have a wife that you can never have sex with. I remember having a breakdown on our honeymoon about that. So like things like that, like not, not knowing that, you know, sometimes it doesn't work on the first try and that's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe we should explain what vaginismus is because now we brought it up and people are like, what, what does that mean? What's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, <go ahead. laughs> so vaginismus is a, um, a condition where it's an involuntary tightening of the pelvic muscles to the point where penetration is not possible. 
So, and it's very, like, if you try to push through it, it's extremely painful. And pain with sex should never happen. Like a lot of times people are like, oh, it's going to hurt the first few times or it's going to hurt the first time, but then it'll get better. If sex is done right, it won't hurt even the first time. The problem is, is it's not done right most of the time. Mm-hmm. But even, even if it's done right, you can still have that involuntary tightening of the muscles, which makes penetration impossible. So if that's the case, or if you have pain with sex beyond the first time, um, then I highly suggest you see a pelvic floor physical therapist. And I like, if you're getting married, I highly suggest you go see one beforehand. (laughs) Like a lot of times we'll go see our OBGYN and, you know, they might give you a little sex talk or they might give you some dilators that you really have no idea what they're about. But a pelvic floor physical therapist is such a better resource to actually prepare you and prepare your pelvic floor and those muscles in order to have intercourse. So in other countries, a pelvic floor physical therapist is a very normal person to see. We just don't have that in our country. Like in other countries, um, women see a pelvic floor physical therapist while they're pregnant and in postnatal care every time. We don't do that in our country. I don't know why, because we really should. But they would be the person that I would refer people to um, when you're getting married just to make sure that everything is working well down there. Um, If you want to find a pelvic floor physical therapist in your area, you can go to pelvicrehab.com and they have all the pelvic floor physical therapists. So a pelvic floor physical therapist is a regular physical therapist. They can do everything that a regular physical therapist can do, but then they have additional training in the pelvic floor and they will do an internal exam just like an OBGYN would. They're very, you know, discreet about it. Most pelvic floor physical therapists are women. Um, although men have pelvic floors too, and they could benefit from pelvic floor physical therapists as well, but that's a whole nother podcast. So, but it's a really, really great, um, thing to do. Um, if you're preparing to get married, if you've ever had um, trouble putting in a tampon or anything like that, you definitely want to go see one before you get married. Thank you. That was a very uh, good description of, of uh, what was our terminology? I forgot. Vaginismus. <laughs> yeah, vaginismus. Um, good, good for that. And thank you for giving that resource just for people to be able to do that. I, I like that idea of uh, just being prepared, even in that way, having a health professional, you know, it, it not only if you're concerned, but just in general, just to just to get get rid of any of concerns you may have um, going in. And, you know, for me, being on the other end um, with Brianna having that breakdown, um, it was something that was very hard for me because me, um, I was being, I feel like very patient and understanding of her feelings and not trying to rush her, you know, but in the same sense, she was definitely feeling like more than just that. It wasn't just that moment. It was, I'm, I'm now failing as a, Mm -hmm. as a woman, I'm failing as a, as a church member and I'm not going to be able to fill, fulfill my role to have kids. Like more things are happening in this instance than just, we're not having sex right now. Absolutely. There, your mind goes to all the, you know, what if scenarios and the extremes we can catastrophize things, but really, I mean, I've, I have had so many clients that have struggled with vaginismus and, you know, they have, saved themselves for marriage and for this, you know, very intimate moment and hoping everything goes right. And then it's nothing but pain and they feel broken and then catastrophize everything. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. And so 
like that's why I always recommend going and seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist or something beforehand, just so that if that happens to be the case for you, they're going to be able to diagnose it and help you long before your wedding night and hopefully help prepare you for those things. But another part of this is we kind of make intercourse the peak event, the main event, like that's what we're saving ourselves for is intercourse. And sex is so much more than intercourse. Sex is any sort of intimate touch and connection between two people. And intercourse is a small portion of that. It should not be the main event. So if you're putting all of your eggs into that basket and it doesn't work, of course you're going to feel like a failure. But when you can understand that that is a small piece of a much larger picture, then it doesn't have to be such a catastrophe. Yeah. And I think for, I read something on, online, um, it was a couple of weeks ago and it was talking about how for women, the main event usually isn't intercourse either. And yeah. so when women like expect, they go into like marriage or, you know, these times where they're going to be sexually intimate, expecting like intercourse to be like this, oh, like, and that's just the <laughs> moment, the perfect moment for them as well. Sometimes it can be kind of a letdown because you're like, oh, it wasn't as maybe pleasurable for me as it was for my my spouse. And so men understanding that and also honoring that and making sure a woman gets her time and, you know, gets just as much time and dedication and feels just as, just as good afterwards as the man does is just as important as a woman making sure that, you know, that has been discussed also absolutely beforehand right that absolutely it's not just going to be a few seconds and then we're done yes (laughs) so like if you think about it I mean so most women do not achieve orgasm through intercourse only about 25 to 30 percent of women do um the majority of women don't orgasm through intercourse Mm -hmm. and it makes sense because we don't have a lot of nerve endings in our vagina which is the, the nerve endings is what makes us feel good. But we don't have those because that's where a baby comes out of. And if there were (laughs) nerves there, it would be even more painful than it already is. Right. (laughs) So there are some nerves right at the opening of the vagina, but inside the vagina, there is not nerve endings. So it makes sense. Like, you know, we kind of look at it as the pinnacle, the main event. And, you know, for most men it is, but it's not for most women. Most women, it is, would much rather um, be pleasured in some other way. Yes, of course, we will have intercourse, especially for our husbands, as long as you don't think it's your obligation or duty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the main event for us is usually not intercourse. And understanding that is a big deal. It's a very big deal. Because mm-hmm. you're setting that expectation beforehand. So having having that understanding on both sides is going to help make sure that first experience and all the experiences afterwards are equally pleasurable for both. Yes. And we kind of go, we kind of go into marriage and the sexual relationship. A lot of us thinking like sex is for the man Mm -hmm. and really the mindset needs to be like sex is for both of you and both of you should be working towards pleasure and connection for both and doing whatever it takes for both of you to have that. And for women, it takes a lot more than it does for men, a lot more. So most women need even like 45 to 60 minutes of arousal and touch before they can come to orgasm. That's a long time compared to five to eight minutes for men. Yeah. (laughs) 
So like I, I have women come to me and they're like, it takes me forever to orgasm. Like what's forever. And sometimes it's funny. They'll be like, like 15 minutes. I'm like, girl, you are doing good. If it only takes you 15 (laughs) minutes, right? It normally takes as long and just a different, it's a shift in perspective. Okay. So as women, it is in our nature to nurture others, to take care of others, right? So with sex, we're like, well, we're taking care of our husband, but he's done pretty quick most of the time. Okay. And so I want the change of perspective to be because it takes so much longer for women to be fully aroused and come to orgasm. Okay. This is your time to be nurtured. This is your time for him to take care of you. And really switching that perspective makes everything different. It's not taking too long. He's not getting bored. I guarantee he enjoys it. (laughs) Okay. But it really is about you being nurtured and being taken care of in this way. And so it's really so much better if you can allow that to happen. Thank you so much for sharing that. I totally agree. And I feel like even our media itself will tell us on like TikTok and Instagram and always, they always do those reels that are like, oh, my husband wanting sex and me like annoyed or I don't know, things like that all the time. We always see that. I see that every single day, I swear. And that kind of ingrains us as well as women like, oh, only the man will ever enjoy sex in a relationship. You'll always be like, oh, stop you know, mm-hmm. you're annoying me, like not now. Hurry and get this over with. Exactly. And that's not how you should feel going into a relationship or even like in your current marriage. That's not normal. You should want to physically connect with them. I'm not saying like every day, you know, but, but like frequently at least, because it should be equally as pleasurable to you to the point where you want to engage in this with your spouse. Hopefully it's, so. It's something that's going to bring you closer and, and help you connect, not just emotionally, but also physically. Yes. And when you're in that honeymoon stage and everything's new and exciting, it's probably going to be at a higher rate than it will later on. Studies show that about once a week is pretty normal and makes things better in the marriage. So less than once a week, we start seeing more problems in the marriage, but more than once a week doesn't necessarily create greater happiness and fulfillment in the marriage. Interesting, right? So like that's what I tell couples to shoot for. If they're really struggling, shoot for once a week. It doesn't need to be three, four times a week, although it totally can be. And like, heaven knows I like it, (laughs) but it doesn't have to be that way. Like once a week is kind of your minimum baseline to really have a successful and happy marriage for most couples. Thank you for sharing that. And so that adds more to like the expectations that we can possibly even discuss before we get married. Um, And you know, not go in there being maybe afraid or apprehensive about having to have sex all the time or something like people tell you you're going to have to and in yeah. marriage, especially in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so just like having that healthy expectation and then going hand in hand with that, what would you recommend um, you get in preparation for being married and being physically intimate? I know for me, like I received like a little honeymoon package mm-hmm. a couple weeks before I got married, which was amazing. And I'd I found out when I went to a couple other friends' bridal showers that nobody else really was giving them out. So I was just really lucky. Yeah. So I started doing that for my friends. So from your professional perspective, like what would you recommend if someone hasn't given you one for your honeymoon package, we'll call it, what would be some good things that you could get together in preparation for being married? Yeah. So I actually have um, a wedding night checklist that I would love to offer your listeners. Um, I'll make that as a free download on my website and I'll 
give you, I'll send a link for you to put that into your show notes later so that they can have that. Um, but it really, it's one of the things I really highly recommend is a good lube. Hey, this is not KY from the grocery store. (laughs) Okay. Um, lube makes a big difference and you need, you need lube, especially in the beginning. So, um, I, my, I have a couple of favorites. So my, um, there's basically three different kinds of lube. There's a water-based lube, an oil-based lube, and a silicone lube. And then they have some hybrids and stuff like that, but we don't need to get into that. But, um, but so depending on, and you can have all different kinds and figure out what you like. Um, water-based lube is a lot like what women naturally lubricate, but it tends to dry up more quickly. And so you have to reapply more often. Um, an oil-based lube is great because it lasts longer, but it is not compatible with latex condoms. So if you are needing to use condoms as part of your birth control, you do not want to use an oil-based lube. Um, the other option is a silicone lube, which is actually my absolute favorite, but it, and it works really well. It lasts a long time. It's water soluble. So like it will wash off, but like it lasts even in the water. It's really good for like shower sex. So that's a really fun one. Um, but it doesn't work well with any sort of silicone toy. So the silicone on silicone doesn't work well. So there's a few different options. So there's my favorite company is Coco New, and they have a water-based lube and an oil-based lube. So those, they're um, made from coconut oil. They're very natural and organic. They don't have a lot of additives in them. So it makes it really safe for your body. You don't want to use a lube that you wouldn't eat. Not saying that you should eat lube, okay? I mean, you can with like oral <laughs> sex and stuff like that, but yeah. like you don't want to be putting things into your body that you wouldn't eat naturally. Um and then the silicone-based lube, my favorite is called Uber Lube, and um, it's a really great one. So um, if you go to my website, amandalouder.com, and go to um, slash resources, then there is a lot of links for my favorite vibrators, my favorite lubes, like different things like that, and some links to even get you a discount on some of those if you're interested. So those are the ones that I highly recommend, especially for wedding night. (laughs) You have to have a good loop because most likely the stress from it being your first time, even if you're really excited. Okay. Um, also like, especially on our wedding day, we're, it's so busy. Like sometimes we're not eating, we're not hydrating really well. And there are so many things that can affect our natural lubrication. And so don't just expect that you're going to naturally lubricate really well. So we'll get a good loop. Um, I think just some really funny things like hair ties, (laughs) chapstick, lotion, massage oil, making like have a playlist, lingerie, some like silk boxers or something like that for him. Um, Comfy clothes to relax in later. Um, You know, just different, just different things to help make that like even some like cards. If you want to play cards on your honeymoon, like even though you think you're going to want to have sex all the time, you're not, you're not going to want to all the time. <laughs> so having some other things to do, even like some snacks, water, those are all good ideas for the, to take on your wedding night and honeymoon. Yeah. Thanks so much for making that resource available. I know that there's a lot of people who are in this podcast who are either closer to this information being <laughs> immediately relative to them, but either way, it's good to know um, that this kind of information is available um, through the podcast and from Amanda. So thanks for that. Yeah, you're um, welcome. Yeah. And, and I just like to add that this is, this is the kind of conversations and 
um, education about sex that is good and appropriate. We're having it on the podcast so that you can be educated and know how to treat yourself better, your body better, and uh, how to make yourself more comfortable with the topic. I understand that you may be listening to this right now and be uncomfortable with what we're talking about. And that's exactly why we're talking about it. So you can understand, you know, the the capacity of what, what we're dealing with and in an acceptable way to be talking about the, the concept. Absolutely. I love that. I think that another important thing to discuss um, before you get married is also your birth control options um, and kind of get on the same page for for birth control with you and your spouse, um, whether that's like condoms or like an IUD or pills or whatever, to have the understanding of like how things are going to go that way plays in a lot to like your sex life. So um, understanding that and having that conversation when you've been, when you're engaged and nearing that is really important. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, I think that that's actually really, really important because you may have, um, a man may have a, a wife who is very opposed to birth control pills. And if that's the case, um, you guys need to decide, does that mean you're also against birth control at all? Or, is, or when do you want to start your yeah, family? When do you want to start your family? Um, you know, because obviously, um, there's a lot of things that to, to keep in mind there, you know, the evidence behind um, how you're going to have birth control as far as things like the pullout method, which isn't that successful of a method <laughs> pretty frequently, you know, and so there's uh, a lot of things to keep it to keep in mind here. And so with Brianna bringing that up, I think that was an important uh, thing for our relationship as well as we had that conversation ahead of time. So I could have an idea of uh, what we needed to be prepared and what was going to make her feel comfortable and and me more comfortable and accept how we were going to approach the situation. And that fits right in with one of the things that we talked about last time with the um, principles of sexual health, that pregnancy and prevention of STIs and stuff is a huge part of that healthy sexual relationship. So having those conversations before you get married is very, very important. I totally agree. Yeah. And to tie that into what you just said as well. I mean, most members of the church that are getting married or most Christians may not, not have, may not have a sexual history, but some do. I mean, there's converts and people that, you know, have, have done things that maybe weren't in line with what we believe, but everyone makes mistakes. So also discussing, discussing your sexual past and how it pertains to your future, whether that is if you have some kind of um, sexually transmitted disease or something, those all need to be discussed before you get married as well. You don't take that into the marriage and then just bring it on them the first, you know, wedding night. Like, hey, by the way, exactly. you know, <laughs> so things like that also need to be discussed um, before you get married and in, in the engagement stage, stage, especially. And so many times, especially if we feel a lot of shame about our past and things we've done, like, again, we want to hide and we don't want to be forthcoming about that. But this is the person that you're marrying. This is, you know, your eternal companion. And if you can't have these kinds of conversations with them, you should not be getting married, period. Like if you if you cannot be 100% honest about yourself and your past, that is not, you should not be getting married yet. You need to be having any conversations, especially these kinds of conversations and be having complete honesty with your spouse. And that can be really scary. A lot of times we're so worried about this person that we love the most rejecting us because of our past or something that we've done. And that is definitely a possibility. But if you try to hide that, 
that is going to make things so much worse if they ever find out and pretty much they will. (laughs) So just like, we think we're good at hiding things. People (laughs) always find out always. And then it makes things so much worse. So if you don't feel like you can be honest with them, you should not be getting married in the first place. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I I love something that Al Caraway, when she came on our podcast, said that you should make it a goal to get married and not have any secrets between you because you guys are becoming one, right? You're going to be a partnership and you should be best friends. And you should, like you said, feel totally comfortable with that person. If you don't, then you shouldn't be getting married to them. And so that should be your goal is to get married, being honest and open and vulnerable with them, um, because that's one of the most important things to make a marriage work is to have that safety there. Absolutely. And that that also isn't to say that you have to sit down in front of the your spouse to be and tell them every single sin you like ever committed. <laughs> no, no. But if it's definitely something that, you know, has been a big part or there's consequences that haven't been dealt with or even have been dealt with, like we need to be honest about those. Um, I know a couple that um, got married and he thought he was marrying a virgin and she had lived with a man. and she had never taken care of it and they got married in the temple and he didn't find out until they'd been married for about four years. It like that kind of deceit in a marriage is never good. They ended up getting divorced years later because the deceits just continued. If they're willing to hide something like that from you, they're going to be hiding other things too. Mm -hmm. So definitely you don't have to confess every little sin, (laughs) but something that's going to affect your marriage. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that I, well, I have a friend as well who, um, her and her husband, her husband had had relationships previous to them getting married and he was open and honest and upfront about it with her. And she kind of struggled with that in their dating relationship, like feeling that he had, you know, something kind of over her, I guess, because he had experience there and it made her nervous to get married, which is a valid feeling, right? Because someone knows more, I guess, than you do. Right. But she was able to cope with that and like get over it and, you know, learn about that in advance of them getting married so that when they did get married, she would felt a lot more confident and she was comfortable with it. But if that was sprung on her, like, let's say the wedding night, like, by the way, this isn't my first time. Yeah. I'm sure that would have been really, really stressful in the moment. And like you said, cause a lot of problems in their marriage. So in those cases, like honesty is really the best policy um, to make sure that you guys are on the same page and all feel comfortable and all feel like you're consenting to this relationship because you can't consent to something unless you have all the facts. Absolutely. And so that's, that's really important. Really important. Consent is so important in a relationship and especially a marriage. Well, and your friend's feelings were valid. Then we have to remember that, that no matter what the feelings are, they are valid. And you know, you might need to take some extra time to work through those before you get married. But as long as that time is taken and the honesty is there, then it can usually be worked through. I think that that's a, a lot of information for tonight. Just a, yes. lot of things, a lot of things to talk about um, and for people to listen to and take notes on. I highly recommend anybody who's listening to this podcast, perhaps even to go back and listen to this one again. That's one of those that I would save, you know, just just keep on hand so that you can be able to uh, go through all the plethora of information that's been has been presented tonight. And thanks so much, Amanda, for that. And before we wrap up, wrap up this podcast uh, tonight, Do you have anything else that you think would be super critical specifically for this podcast that you would like to add or um, expand on? Expand on. 
Um, I think just making sure that you understand your own values and what you want for yourself in the relationship and in the sexual relationship, and then making sure that you communicate those clearly so that you can make sure that you're on the same page with your partner. I think that's really, really important. And, you know, when you can understand your own values, then it's a lot easier for you to say yes and no to certain things. Um, wholeheartedly say yes when you're good, when it is in alignment with what you want and be willing to say no when it's not. Thank you. That's really good. Really good insight. Um, also, I guess I had one more thing on my mind. I, you know, I, you guys were talking about, I guess we were talking about <laughs> a little bit earlier about, you know, how orgasms might be easier for, for guys versus girls and, and such like that. I know one thing for me as a man, that I was super concerned about going into a sexual relationship was like, what if I don't last long enough to satisfy, you know, and that was something that is something that uh, just was on my mind the whole time. We're preparing, <laughs> preparing to get married. Like what, what if I fail at this, you know, because growing up and you hear all these kids talking about, you know, their sexual activities and things like that, where I'm from and, uh, how long sex is fun and all this stuff. I, I, I don't know if that's just a front, you know, but uh, on on average, you'll find research says that a, an average sex session is going to last like five minutes. <laughs> of like the in- intercourse. Intercourse. Yeah, yeah. Five intercourse. to eight minutes. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, and that's that's typically what the guys are thinking about. And that's, that's why I like that you guys talked a little bit about um, just the, the everything else that goes before that and preparing yourself for the intercourse part of of sex and that's not the only thing that that makes up sex you know and that's just that's just so much uh that i think a lot of people still don't understand and um especially people in our culture because we tend to veer away from all these topics yeah so um i like that we have all these things all these resources to talk about tonight and um again really grateful that you were able to come on the podcast do you have anything to add brianna um i think i would just add this kind of came to my mind as you were wrapping up um, for those that have had bad experiences, um, like suffered abuse or anything like that, um, that is something really important to share with your partner as well. And if you haven't sought like help to overcome um, some of these residual effects from it, like PTSD, that's something that you definitely would want to seek out before you get into an intimate relationship with your spouse. Uh, so I would highly recommend that even if you're not dating someone right now and you have suffered abuse of any form, especially sexual abuse, that's something that you definitely want to seek some help out for. Um, that will make the transition to having um, a sexual relationship relationship with your spouse a lot easier and a lot more wholesome and fulfilling and safe for you. Um, so just for all those that have suffered that, because I know it's pretty common, especially among women, it's not something to be ashamed of and you deserve to feel whole um, before marriage and after marriage and not be afraid of being intimate. So definitely seek that out. And I think that's going to wrap up our podcast for today. We love you guys. We're so grateful for you guys for listening. Thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on. You are a light and what you offer this world, especially, um, the members of the church in helping educate and bring people together and marriages whole is so important. And we're so grateful for the work you do on your podcast and all the wonderful advice and counsel that you give so many people. So thank you so much for making the time to be with us tonight. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for having me guys. If you enjoy single to sealed, be sure to invite your friends to help our podcast family grow. If you haven't subscribed, followed, or favorited, be sure you do so you don't miss out on any of our great content. 
Thank you for joining us today as we help you move one step closer to sealing the deal. We'll We'll see see you next time. time.